Welcome to the Trey Blanco Podcast and Grill. We have a fine assortment of hot takes and bad predictions for you to sample this evening. On today's menu, the Cowboys. Today's special is the Cowboys. So you'll be having the Cowboys? Fine selection, sir. And now, here's your head chef. Um, he's not really a chef. Well, Trey Blanco. And his faithful busboy, Daniel Davidson. Now I only got to do it once today. <laughs> only one. Daniel, how you doing, sir? Feeling good, feeling great, man. You know what I'm saying? You feeling me? I'm feeling good, feeling great, man. Hey, we're still perfect on our record predictions, man. All three of us. But, uh, hey, I'll take it, you know? I'll take it. Like you said, I wish we were like 75%, you know, that win against the Buccaneers would have been nice. Yeah. But I'll take the 100. So we pass it. We keep getting better and better, though, man. That's kind of what you want to see, though. You know what I'm saying? That, that exactly. Progress. Exactly. So that's the voice that you hear is my sous chef, Daniel Davis, and say hello to the people. What it do, baby? <laughs> and we are running short today. Uh, Julian, King Julian Owens, had to take care of some business, so he won't be with us today. Gotta and hold uh, it down for him. Hold it down for you, Julian. Got you, you, got you Ju- We got you, Jay. And then, you know, the most hated producer of all time, D.R. Lewis. <laughs> Not third baby is <laughs> not with the city today as well <laughs> he's he's i'm pretty sure he's working he's not watching the show today oh so i'm gonna God. say he, he's working today i like that that's his intro though hey you started it man it's i know so- <laughs> it was a joke but like this is thing now it's awesome hey. It works, man. So if I go invite a his show, we'll call him again, the most hated producer. <laughs> but and as, of course, you know who I am. My name is NY, a.k.a. Trey Blanco. And this is Trey Blanco's podcast and grill. Yes, sir. We're breaking down to the X's and O's of Cowboys football. And so the Cowboys, yet again, get a win. We are mm. on a three-game winning streak, and we are 3-1 overall for the season as yeah. we beat the Panthers 36 28. And let's just dive right into some stats. First, I will give you the Panthers stats. Sam Darnold went 26 for 39, 301 yards, two touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns, as well as two interceptions. Uh, leading rusher for the Panthers was Chubba Herbert, 13 carries for 57 yards, not to be overshadowed by Sam Darnold for six carries, 35 yards, and two touchdowns himself. Um, receiving uh, I'm going to call him my boy, but because he's on my fantasy, multiple fantasy teams of mine, DJ Moore. I showed out for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> sure, did. sure did. I was worried, but he, he showed out. Eight eight receptions, 113 yards, and two touchdowns, uh, followed closely by, oh, not closely, but followed by Brandon Nilistra? Zystra? Zystra? All I know is that dude is fast, man. That's all yeah, I know about he's him. fast. Fast dude. Two, <laughs> he's got two receptions for 63 yards. Um, and Robbie Anderson had five receptions and 46 yards total. Um, defensive stats. because we So, I'll just say, we went up against the number one team, defensive team in the league, and uh, mm-hmm. we scored 36 points on them. Uh, the leading tackler was Jeremy Chen uh, with six, and Shaq Thompson with five. Uh, I'm sorry, and Jen Sean Chandler showed up with eight. And so, uh, the 
Panther stats. But now let's talk to the boys. Oh, um, yeah. Talk about them. So let's, we go to, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about this late, a little bit later. But Dak Prescott went 14 for 22, 188 yards, but he got four TDs with it. Efficiency. <laughs> Efficiency. Efficiency. <laughs> but and then it's more it's efficient. And then let's, let's see if it's more about balance because Zeke ate. Again, for the second week of the row, yeah, 20 carries, 143 yards, and what touchdown. And then, but you know, Tony Pollard still got his 10 to 67. And so, Tony Pollard's pretty getting pretty consistent right there. What he's gonna give us, um, our leading receiver. No, was, no, no, uh, no, but, but now before you go to receiving, they had a little oh. bit more help on the ground too, though. Oh, yeah, I boy, forgot. Uh, boy, Dak, right. <laughs> I don't Dak. know what got to Dak, but he was taking off left and right. Dak Plus took off big runs, man. He took off for 35 yards on four carries as well. My bad. Thank you, Daniel. Um, let's see. Amari Cooper, three receptions, 69 yards, and one touchdown. Dalton Schultz, six receptions, 58 yards, and one touchdown. Cedric Wilson, two receptions, 30 yards, and one touchdown. Blake Jarwin sneaked up in there with one reception, 18 yards, and a touchdown. And then uh, C.D. Lamb uh, went in for two, well, two receptions and 13 yards. Uh, kind of quiet day. Not kind of quiet day, but quiet day for C.D. Lamb, especially. Mm. But you kind of, you know, with Dex only throwing for 188 yards, so <laughs> kind of tells you there's not that many yards out there for you to grab. Um, let's see. Our leading our leading tackler, so going to the defense, our leading tackler, um, Tied for two, Jaywan Curse and Anthony Brown with six each. Uh, later, Vanerish got in there with five. Um, let's talk about these sacks, though. There was a meeting at the quarterback, and many people met was there on time. Uh, Michael Parsons with one. Chauncey Goldston and Osa Odikizua met at the same time for each to record half a sack. Now, let me well, hear it. I got you. Hold on. Let Terrell, me hear it. You know what to hear. Give Terrell it to Basham, me. Terrell Basham with one sack. <laughs> and then... The Let's reason go. why Day is so excited. Give it to me. His boy, Randall Gregory. What's up, baby? <laughs> With two sacks. Let's go. <laughs> two Got me back in the race, man. You know what I'm saying? We talked last episode. Like, look, man, I might be done. You know what I'm saying? Randy, that's showing out, bro. I was like, I need like a five sack game. I'll take two. Two's good. You know what I'm saying? Hey, a few more games two, left to play. Two hard hitting, two hard hitting sacks, man. Yeah. Like, that's some bull rush power right there with those sacks. But all that, not to be. Overshadowed, yeah, <laughs> by that kid, that kid out of Alabama. Oh man, number seven on the outside of the of the defensive backs. Two interceptions. One he ripped away from DJ Moore, but Jeez. that boy he did not only hit him once, but he hit him twice with two interceptions. Um, he, I think he did break. I need to check my assessing, but I think he really did, officially did break Everson Everson Wall's record of uh. Uh, most interceptions in the, in the early weeks, basically in the first four weeks. Oh, starting off the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, starting off the season. I really, I do believe he broke it, but um, don't quote me on it because they did mention that again. But yeah, he went out there and got two interceptions for us, back to back, actually, back to back, one series after after another. This old man, whoo, Trayvon, you you let the league know. He's like, I'm that man. I'm that man. (laughs) At some point, they're going to stop throwing him the ball. He's going to stop getting interceptions, man. Right? Because the Cowboys are playing a lot of men. I'm pretty sure we'll dive into that a little bit later. But, Daniel, what's your initial reaction to this game, man? Man, we said last episode, man, this was kind of like a, you know, a barometer, like a a, a test for where we are right now. You know, we want to see that, you know, we've been doing pretty well for these past two games. But going against the Panthers, you know, they currently go into the game. We're undefeated. Um, we already said that about the defense rating wise, they were, I think, the top defense in the league at the time, especially against against the run. 
I think in the past too. Uh, so, you know, we did always kind of bring on, you know, our big boy pants for this one, bring your lunch pail to work type of thing. And man, from the get go, I think the Cowboys, I guess, they're finally in that mindset of like, we see the stats and we don't really give a damn about the stats about what you're ranked because you still have to stop us. And that's exactly how they played that game. You know, from the get go, from the very first snap, from the first quarter, they were just, you know, intent on just kind of running down their throat and they didn't stop because they're like, Hey, we got, we got some success. Let's keep going back and back and back to that. Well, and that's the reason why Dak Prescott only had about, about 188 yards receivers didn't even have to do much that game because the running game was just carrying it. And they were mauling people up front. Uh, it, was, it was great to see. It was kind of like a throwback game for the Cowboys of, you know, back when we had all the, the our monster old linemen, you know, back, uh, you know, a few, few seasons ago where they just kind of handed off. And every single time, you know, Zeke was just finding daylight, running over people. Zeke was running hard, too, man. Um, if you say what you want about Zeke, but I think he definitely does read some of the press clippings. He felt some type of way about what people have been talking about him, about getting overpaid or, um, you know, maybe he's getting pushed out by Tony Pollard or whatever. But he's like, hey, man, if you give me some extra rest, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do with that. I'm not going to just, you know, <laughs> save it or anything like that. I'm going to use I'm going to use his energy to run over some people when he definitely did that. It was the entire game. You know, Zeke did not let up. So you love to see that. Uh, Dak Prescott, man, he's kind of just showing that. He's a next level type of quarterback. And the reason why I say that is because most quarterbacks is like, okay, well, if we don't see the big stats. He must have had a bad game. But I think once you kind of become like the next, the next tier, like, you know, the, the Drew Breeses, Aaron Rodgers, or whatever, they understand that I don't have to have 400 yards, 300 yards passing for me to say I'm doing my job. You know, they're actually like, I don't need all the attempts as long as I get us into the right stuff, as long as I kind of get us out of bad situations, which is kind of what Dak was doing the entire game was. You know, he let the running game take over for most of the part, but when we needed him, he stepped up to either convert it, get the touchdowns when we were in the red zone. Uh, like we said, we broke off a few large runs kind of when we needed him to as well. And that's what you want from, you know, your leader of offense is that my job is to make sure that, hey, we go down the field every single time. Yep. Now, how we, how we do that, yeah, it doesn't matter. Whether the defense gives us to, we're going to take it that way. I don't need to throw it 50 times for us to get down there. I will if I have to, but if I don't, yeah, I'm fine with – you know, checking it down or handing it off where it gets to a better play. And you could, you kind of had the feeling throughout the entire game, kind of had control of the offense, of the defense as well. Uh, you kind of got wherever you wanted. You kind of could see what they were doing, and he adjusted correctly. And that's kind of what you saw for the offense was, man, just domination, kind of what you want to see. And at this stage, it, I think it is what they said, that we, we are very deadly because we have, we're so multiple in what we can do. Yeah, The fact that we have such a great game on offense – and again, Dak only had 188. Um, you know, CD barely did much of anything in terms of receptions, but he did really good blocking though. But and you know, just showing that just shows you that okay, we don't need him to go off for us to have a very successful offensive game because we we've seen him go off before at this season, so we know it's it's possible. Um, but the fact that you you can pick and choose, I think it makes it very deadly and you know very tough for the opposing defense when you can kind of you know any way you want it, we can give it to you, and that's exactly what we did that game. Exactly. I think you just titled our podcast any way you want it. You can have it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's basically what this offense, like this offense has shown the past three weeks, basically four weeks. I even give credit to the Tampa Bay game because they, oh, yeah. they even show that we can, we can launch the ball if we want to. They show in the second week, we can run the ball, but these past two weeks is like, we're most deadly is you for want us to be balanced. If you want us to be balanced, we're going to kill you. And that's what they've shown because I'll, let me, the overall stats as a team, Cowboys had, like I said, they had 188 yards passing and uh, I'm 
total 245 yards rushing because of everybody. But that's technically balanced because Zeke had 143. Your main, your main horse had 143 yards. That's what I call balance, in my opinion. Um, if you talk about, again, zero turnovers on our side. Um, five sacks. There's no sacks on our side. Our, our Tyler Bidish and Connor Williams finally had a good game. Um, <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> and then our, we're holding the team, like um, the Panthers were 30% on third down efficiency. And so, like, we're doing the right things to win the game, which we weren't doing last season. And so that's where you can see the transition. But about this game, initially, I think I put, I, t- I tweeted it. That was probably the best third quarter that I, I know it's the best third quarter I've seen from the Dallas Cowboys and probably yeah. the best third quarter in Cowboys history. Cause that's when we put up 20 points and they put up zero uh, Trayvon got our two, got the two interceptions that, and that's when our, our offense was really just going. But um, what this team is showing to you is like, Hey, we can give it to you on the fit. We can give it to you on the ground. We can give it to you in the air. And we can give it to you both at both times, whichever way you want it. And whatever your defense is going to give to us, we're going to take advantage of it. And that's exactly what Kellen Moore and this deep and this offense is doing. And what this defense is doing, man, they, we they are showing that we have multiple dogs on that field. Yeah. Right. We're just we're we. Chauncey Golson, uh, also Odigizua, my goodness, man. The way, especially Chauncey coming off an injury, coming out there and getting immediate playing time and playing the way he is, also being steady in what his steady incline of, of uh, improvement. And then Randy Gregory getting, like, being the leader of that D-line, man, because you, you definitely see Randy leading that D-line, especially if you watch the uh, sounds on the sideline. Or sounds from the sideline on YouTube, you definitely hear Randy talking them up. But then we talk about the linebacking group, uh, which we we'll kind of definitely talk about a little bit later. But um, Micah Parsons, LVE played well as well. But Micah Parsons being the dog that he is, going back at linebacker and still being able to rover around. They did. I did see him on the outside in that four three look as mm-hmm. that as that over or under type of linebacker. So he's be, he's going out there still balling out. And then we talk about the secondary. We already know how I feel about Anthony Brown. He started off good the first half. He kind of let everything kind of fall down the hill the second half. But anyway, Anthony Brown, <laughs> you did good. You got three You got three deflections out there and pretty clutch. And so, yay, improvement. I like seeing it. Right. Um, we talk about Demonte Kazee and J. Ron Curse. J. Ron Curse is probably going to be the surprise of the season for the Cowboys, oh, yeah. Cowboys, to be honest with you, man. And a guy who I, who I said should be um, let go or released coming into the season possibly is now out there showing off and balling in the in absence of uh donovan wilson so that's it's very good to see that and then you, know, you already know about my boy trayvon <laughs> so like lead out there i believe another side is he already has more interceptions in these two years than uh byron jones he had in his entire career with the dallas mm-hmm. cowboys and so um <laughs> that's kind of that's made me laugh a little bit but yeah like I'm liking what I see from this team. And then, like you said, I believe this was the biggest test outside of the Buccaneers that we had is have on the schedule coming up, especially coming up um, with what we are looking at as far as our schedule. But Hey man, this is always good to go out there and just um, again, manhandle a team, man. And and I have a little bit something later about manhandling a team, but it's very good to see that as far as our Cowboys, Going out there and just, especially after last year, man, it was last year was rough. <laughs> so it's very yeah. good. To, it's very yeah, good to exactly. See I actually want to um, start by giving kudos, you know, first to the coaching staff and the defense as well. Um, yep. the coaching staff first because of, of the ad- adjustments after the first half yep. for offense and defense, actually. Um, you know, we were moving the ball on offense, but we weren't actually, you know, getting all the way down and scoring. We had the chances to. 
Um, on defense, I think we were giving up quite a few yards um, than we were supposed to. Uh, we weren't really getting off the field on third down, too, so we kind of kept some drives alive. Uh, but, you know, like you said, coming out in that second half and that third quarter, uh, we clicked on all cylinders on both sides, defense and offense. I think we made the correct adjustments we needed to slow them down, actually yeah. and, and shut them down, honestly. And then for offense, you know, we already saw what happened with that, with the, the three different scoring drives on there, too. Um, so kudos to that. And then also for this team, like you had mentioned, compared to this team to last season, what I like what I'm seeing is the development of the players, even when the main guys aren't there. Right. Yep. So on every single level of the defense, D-line, linebacker and secondary, we're actually missing some of our key guys on every single level. You know, we're missing Gallimore. We're missing uh, Marcus Lawrence, um, you know, in the secondary, like Sarah, we're missing Donovan Wilson. Uh, so those were key guys that we were counting on to kind of propel us, you know, in, into the into the, the season. And they've been out for, for quite a while. Uh, but what you're seeing, those people kind of stepping up and kind of growing into their own new role. We're seeing Mike Parsons emerge as, you know, potentially going to be a star in the linebacker role. We're seeing well, we got expected uh, Trayvon Diggs, but now. Jaron Curse, he's here, and he's stepping up in that role, kind of taking over down from Wilson. We're seeing on the D-line, you know, Odigazua, he's kind of going here and balling as well. He seems to kind of be like he actually may be a potential star as well, too. So, yeah. you know, what were once question marks in terms of when we kind of drafted some of these guys are coming in or if they're ready to even play, you know, that many snaps this early in their careers is now becoming more like it kind of seems like, okay, they actually are growing into it very quickly. Cause again, we're still very early into the season yep. and they're not only just, you know, holding their own, they're actually are making those splash plays and at times even dominating. And that's something that you want to see. And that thing, that's more of like a culture thing. You know, that's a, a big thing for the Cowboys thing was the culture was kind of what you saw when Dak was gone. We kind of had lost that leadership uh, when we had those really bad defenses, because I think it was a lack of leadership, lack of accountability. But then now what you're seeing is kind of guys coming together in accepting their role and then growing into that role. And what you see is what we saw this past game where you have, like you said, Randy Gregory going out there and being a monster. Uh, Chauncey Goldson have, have been out and came back and became a monster himself. Darrell Basham, all these dudes are kind of like the next guy up. And they're not, you know, just saying, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not, I'm just a backup. It's like, no, this is my time to shine. And I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting after it with that same intensity as the starters. Like yeah. there's not a drop in intensity level. There may be, you know, mistakes or blown coverages or whatever might have you. But one thing you can't say for the guys that are on the field currently is that they're not flying around, flying to the ball, creating havoc, which is exactly what you want. Cause you know, right now we're not, you know, I wouldn't say we're elite in terms of defense, but in terms of our effort level, I think it is elite. And that causes a lot of times, you know, mistakes to happen for the offense because you're flying yeah. around, you're blowing stuff up, which is probably why we're doing so well in terms of getting these turnovers because, you know, a lot of times because of that pass rush or the pressure on the on the quarterback, they're getting rid of it early. And once Trayvon, Trayvon keys in on that, he's going two feet down, attack, <laughs> and you see what happens with that, right? So that's exactly what it does. That, that's just kudos to – him being a great player, but also that the team kind of come together and creating that pressure as a whole to create those opportunities that he does, you know, capitalizing as well. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to them on that because uh, I'm like, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking that progression that we're having, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, you know, my premium stakes definitely do go to the coaching staff, um, basically coming out of that second half, man. Because like you said, they were down 14-13 going into the half. And like they came out in that third quarter, made their right adjustments, and they looked like really good. So I had to give premium mistakes out to them. Uh, my other premium mistake, I got to give it to, uh, <laughs> I'm actually giving it to Tyler Bidish and Connor Williams, man. Oh, wow. And so uh, basically they weren't pushed back. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they finally stepped up, had a good game, man. They had Tyler Bidish had some good, great double teams. Actually, they, 
they each had a good double team together together where they uh caked the dt uh and i was like okay all right y'all y'all can get a premium steak man and so i think uh i harped on them hard we, i mean we all have harped on them pretty hard these past three weeks and four weeks and uh but the i said okay after this game y'all deserve a premium mistake um them and uh chauncey Golson, he will get a premium mistake for me as well because basically like you said just not gonna repeat it but kudos out of that but you know that's i mean one reason why you're here is like you're the most optimistic one out of us you 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 know i'm always hyped up i'm the guy like you said sunshine and rainbows last year i was that guy but you you're always mm-hmm. the guy to bring me in you know you like reality right but after there's such a great game there's still some things that we just not good so daniel's negatives daniel kick us off yeah, like I said, man, it's what it is. And also always sunshine and rainbows. Um, you know, it's very hard. We always chase that perfection, but it's very hard to reach perfection, especially when it comes to football. Um, so for me, the first one is going to be for the defense. Defense, defense, defense. Now, while we do very well when it comes to sacking the quarterback, we do very well when it comes to creating some turnovers. What we don't do as well is the stuff in between, which is kind of what we saw in this game as well. Now, it doesn't pop up when we play these teams that have, you know, subpar quarterbacking or so-so offenses. But Carolina has been pretty good on offense. And, and they Sam Darnold, you know, who knew, is actually a pretty good quarterback as well. And what we saw for the majority of the game, I would say it's for the first half, not the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter, uh, was they kind of were able to move the ball almost at will up and down the field. Um, they were con- able to convert, you know, some third downs I thought maybe they shouldn't have been able to third and longs where you should at that time you have to get off the field if you're going to be you know considered a good to great defense when it kind of is third and long uh, but I thought they were kind of giving a lot of those conversions quite easily uh, when that shouldn't have been the case uh, I think we did good against the run per se they were able to get you know maybe like four or five here or there but you know for the most part with CMC being out they weren't really committed to the running game as much as but they probably might have should have uh, but for me, starting off kind of just seeing the defense is like, yes, I, lo- I love certain aspects of the defense, certain facets that we have, you know, of course, our pieces. I think we have a lot of potential and growth, but you're not seeing that down by down consistent base that you kind of want to see to turn into that great defense. Uh, we saw it in the third quarter. But to be a great defense, you have to do it from start to finish, and we're not there yet. We still are having some of those miscues. We're having some where again, we're allow either the big run, we're allow a lot of these passes over the middle, um, missed tackles uh, that then turn into bigger plays. It's still an issue for us as well. So something we have to get cleaned up. Um, again, I think it's, it's kind of the same thing that we have week after week. I think we are we are getting better in that aspect, but we still aren't there in terms of where I can say that okay, we are now this legit defense to where we don't only turn you over. But if you're, if you're going to be very cautious with the ball, we'll still shut you down. We're not there yeah. yet. And I feel like with the offense that we currently have, because it seems like a lot of teams are going to have a hard time even slowing them down, you want to give them the ball as much as possible. And not just, you know, based off a turnover, but just a consistent basis of, A, you know, three and outs, four and outs, or whatever. Doing that is a very good way for us to kind of build a lead very quickly because our offense is just so, you know, just, just so on point and very tough to stop. Yeah, and um, I, I agree with that same criticism, man. It's like um... – they were overall the Panthers were four and thirteen on third down efficiency, but they're also three for three on fourth down. So they, so they were four three extra times on fourth down. They got it each and every time. Um, and like I said, the consistency is, the consistency is not there. Um, like there was a big third and twelve that they third and thirteen, third and twelve that they converted and that continued on the graph on their drive, and I think they got a touchdown off of that drive as well. Um, it's just. And especially when <laughs> that was shots at Sam Darnold, but kind of when Sam Darnold is getting two rushing touchdowns for you and each rushing touchdown is more than 10 yards, 
that's a problem. <laughs> so um, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Dak Prescott. He's not any type of these uh, other like run threading quarterbacks. He's, he's, he's a pass threat. Sam Darnold, he's a pass threat. He should not be getting uh, multiple touchdowns on us on the on the ground with his feet. And so um, there are some miscues there uh, that I agree with. And like I would say that our defense is kind of like their middle ground right now. They're middle ground. They could be elite. They could be top. They could be top tier. But until like once we get to that consistency level, they will be a top tier defense. We're talking about the top the top defenses of all time. When I think about Baltimore Ravens uh, with um, Ray Lewis and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers when they had uh, Harrison out there, just uh-huh. uh, Troy Palomalu, they were consistent on causing turnovers and they were consistent on stopping the team, like shutting mm-hmm. down the team. And so like. That's how you get to be a top tier, top five, top three defense by shutting down the team. The Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last season, towards the end, they became a top tier defense because they shut down that offensive game plan. Like yeah. they held the Chiefs to three points in the in the Super Bowl. Like, come mm-hmm. on now. <laughs> so, like, that's what we're talking. That's what we, that's the level that um, our defense actually needs to get to in order for that long playoff run. To be honest with you, um, mid, the middle tier defense they will get you. Yeah, they'll get you through the wild card game. They may get you through the divisional round, but they won't get you past that conference, that conference championship. They won't get you past the Super Bowl because you're middle tier. Like it, 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 then you're going up against elite offices. And so I think like I, I will give us credit that we are a middle tier defense because we do get the stops sometimes. We are able to first turnovers because we're the leading team defensive turnover. So you got to give us credit for that. So that's why I say that we are just middle tier and we're not yet elite. We could be elite, but we're just not yet there. Maybe the injuries that we have could force us, could jump us up to be elite, but we did, we don't know until they get out there. But I do have to give them credit for being middles here. Yeah, and I think to compare back on what you were saying too, Ed, um, you kind of wanted to worse where you can rely on defense to say, okay, they can probably win us a game if, if they needed to. Like, yeah. The offense is off for the entire game. We feel that they can hold them to either like, you know, one touchdown or, or field goals or whatever, and then get a turnover and then help the offense score or something. And that at that point, it's like, okay, we have an elite defense to go along with the elite offense. And when you have both at that point, you have to be considered a contender, you know, to go deep in the playoffs and to potentially win the whole thing. Yeah. Um, what we have right now is kind of like what you're saying is we have the elite offense, but for the defense it's more opportunistic, you know, sometimes they'll stop them, sometimes they won't, but there's a good chance they'll probably get you, one or two turnovers with the game. And if you can capitalize off of that, then, you know, that's great. But I think going into every game, it's more of like, okay, the offense needs to do this, this, and this, and then we'll kind of see what the defense does and hopefully they can slow them down and then we can win. But you want to kind of get past that because, uh, I mean, it it worked. We've seen it work before. I think the last time the Bears went to the Super Bowl is because their defense caused a ton of turnovers and that Mm -hmm. helped them. They actually won a great defense, but they they caused so many turnovers that it didn't really matter. And their offense was good enough to kind of, you know, capitalize off of those turnovers but that's a very hard way to live especially in the nfl um yet they oh, get- but they went up against an elite quarterback and paid him that that year because i the lovey smith super bowl yeah i remember because yeah. it was mm-hmm. the two first uh, first time two black uh, head coaches were in the super bowl but they went yeah. up against elite offense that's a prime example of what we were talking about but go ahead i'm sorry yeah yeah and you're exactly right because you know it's kind of almost like fool's gold because it's like okay well hey man we don't it, we give up a ton of yards but we get them turnovers and mm-hmm. it's good to go but at some point in time, you have to think that where the turnovers don't come, but you you kind of need to stop. You yeah. know, it 
it, it, the margin for error, I think it gets so thin when you kind of there have you know. that type of defense going that you, you know. don't want to kind of risk it. It's like, okay, if we can kind of elevate our play just a little bit more, you know, to be, we'll get consistent stops and get the turnovers. And that's, that's perfect. Exactly what you want. We can play ball with anybody. Um, but like you're saying, when you run into these elite offenses that you're going against, then that kind of might be you know detrimental to you because they probably don't turn the ball over as much as these other teams that we've been playing so far. But, you know, that's neither here or there. But, again, loving the direction we're going. And we still have a lot of guys that we need to come back off of IR. So I'm interested to see how that looks when we get everybody back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why I think we have a pretty high ceiling because you're still missing some key people but still playing at a pretty, I'd say, pretty decent level as of right now. Yep, yep. All right, negative number two. Number two, learning how to be great. Can't let ourselves just be great. So the reason why I say this is that, you know, for, the again, a few seasons, the Cowboys haven't really been a good football team. So I think we've kind of picked up some bad habits or actually aren't used to kind of being as, dare I say, dominant as we've been so far in these past few games. And what comes with that is sometimes it's like, you're like, you look at like, man, I'm really, really good. So you kind of can relax and chill. But to actually be the elite team, the team that wants to make a deep run to the playoffs, the team that actually wants to make the playoffs, you can't have that. And if you were to watch the game and kind of see what play, how it played out, you kind of know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, when that third quarter came out, hey, man, we kind of gave that the haymaker. We thought we had knocked them out. And we're like, hey, man, this game is way over. They're probably going to lay down and maybe just, you know, not even get past the, the past the 50 yard line anymore. Like they probably just didn't give up. But it's the NFL, man. And they're also a good team, too. So they're not going to just give up. And we kind of saw exactly what happened on both sides of the ball. They were able to go down for a quick scoring play. I think almost like a three-play drive, three or four-play drive. They got almost like 70-some yards and scored a touchdown. Ridiculous. Um, they pretty much got into where they made it into a game, and then the offense kind of just woke up and kind of ended the game as we kind of saw them do in the first half and the third quarter too. But at that point in time, you don't want to let it get to that point because, you know, one, we're pretty much we're one freak play away from them either being back in the game and to actually tied it up or them leading, leading us in the game as well. So you don't want to leave it up to chance. When you have a team down, we always say, hey, put your foot on the throat, just end it. And you do that by not just, you know, being complacent or being like, oh, well, they're going to give up. Like, no, you make them give up. You keep running the offense, keep running the same defense until it's like, okay, well, yeah, this is clearly over. So let's put in the backups and then you can go ahead and end the game. So I think we still are kind of working on learning how to be a good to great team, not only in how we play, you know, when the game's on the line or the development, you know, here and there are the adjustments we make, but also in terms of our mindset of, okay, when we actually are doing very good in the game, how do we finish the game? So I think we're still learning how to finish the game. Um, so that's something that, you know, hopefully with time and experience, because we still are a pretty relatively young team. So it could be to that extent. Um, I didn't like that we saw that with the offense. The offense is pretty, pretty experienced. But again, it may just be a locker room mentality of we didn't we're not so used to actually winning as much or being as dominant with winning that, you know, we don't have the mindset of it just yet. But it's definitely something that you can learn, develop and pick up. And hopefully we learn from this game going forward that if we do have someone down because of, you know, just one great quarter, don't leave it at just a one great quarter. Go ahead and finish it out, you know. Yeah, and I think we got complacent. I said it last week too. Like when you have them, like just shove the ball down, shove the ball down the throat. And I mean, like it's it is it may it may sound graphic or intense, but intense, but that's the purpose of it. It's like, hey, right. you shut a team out, one of the a high powerful offense and a high powerful defense out. You shut them down at 20 to zero. Now it's time to keep just keep pushing me and keep driving. And I think we died out. And so, and like, and I always wanted to have to. 
I almost wanted you to transition and that's negative because I think it kind of ties in the together but i just i just wanted to say which i am going to lie to actually i just wanted to say like we just got to keep shoving the ball down the throat and go ahead and transition your third one i'm just going to tie these two together yeah well before we get to that i was going to say that this was seemed like a perfect statement game for us Mm. and it it still kind of is but not what it could have been you know if it was to where this team again who had the number one defense had a, a very good offense coming in if we had shut them down for the entire game if we had still been able to kind of get all those yards going into the fourth quarter, you know, scoring touchdowns or whatever. That's like, man, they kind of came in and obliterated this team. Yeah. Now the way it looked like it's like, oh, well, you know, they they won and, you know, they had quite a few yards and four touchdowns and such, but this appeared to be kind of a close game or it wasn't where they beat them into submission. Yeah, So exactly. kind of when you do that, that kind of, I think that sends a message not only to your team, but to other teams as well. It's like, oh, bro, they came in, they just kind of just ragdolled them the entire time. Like that's kind of, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Versus, oh, they came in, hey, bro, they had a really good third quarter and kind of blew it out and then kind of held on for it. It's like, okay, well, they didn't really actually dominate the team the entire time. Um, you know, they kind of came in there and did their thing, but it wasn't any domination type of de- type good, of deal, you know. Very good point. Uh, and one more point before you before you go on is like um, beating a team, what, 36 to 14? It makes sounds a lot better than being a team 36 and 28. Because basically yeah. what it sounds like you said, it sounds like all they had to do is they didn't get the ball one more time. They couldn't and they didn't have enough time to get that two-point conversion, basically. That's what yeah. it sounds like. And so, and we had we're at the point, and like you said, it was a statement game. It was our statement game. And so that's the difference. And this could be this could be a, I guess you could count this as a hot take. That's the difference between a pretender and a contender. A contender. Yeah would have been able to continue to shut them down. A pretender is like, okay, like we look, and that kind of makes us look like a pretender right now. It's like our offense are contenders, but on defense, like we kind of look like a pretender. We don't look like we're as good as we look right now. Yeah. It's like, ah, you play, we play up against an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or um, Justin Herbert. It's like, oh, okay, we'll get exposed and we may or may not win those games. Type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, yeah, y'all are pretending right now. But if we were to shut them out 36 and 14, I would have put, I'm pretty sure many people would have put us in that contender slot, in my opinion. And so that that's the difference between that scoring difference shows the difference between a contender and a pretender. Possibly, possibly hot take. I don't care. I said it. But yeah, <laughs> pretender, pretenders right now. All right, go on. All right. Number three, player management. <laughs> so I know we were kind of giving praises to the coaching staff. You know what I'm saying? That was a change from last episode. I mean, uh, yeah, our last episode on here. But again, this is kind of a running thing going on. So the reason why I say player management is if you were watching the game, you would saw at one point in time that, you know, after Trayvon was basically himself just dominating the offense, getting, like you said, back-to-back picks, he, he kind of disappears. Like, where's Trayvon at? Maybe he got nicked up or something. We were kind of a little concerned. Um, so actually sent someone over there to check him on the sideline. He was walking around. He seemed to be smiling. It was like, okay, maybe it's not too bad of an injury or something something happened. They said, no, uh, this is what we call player management. So we feel like he's played enough this game. We're going to go ahead and sit him down and rest him rest him for the rest of the game. Mind you, <laughs> again, we hadn't even had we even started the fourth quarter yet, I don't think. We had an entire quarter left to play. Um, it's not like we were up by like 50 points or anything like that. It was still like within striking distance, which we kind of saw. So we took our arguably the best defensive player that we had out of the game and – proceeded to you know let them run down the field multiple times to score back-to-back touchdowns to actually make this into a game uh so th- th- this is mind-boggling to me I-, I didn't understand why you would do this i felt like maybe they heard our last 
podcast where we had said that, oh, you know, why would you leave uh, Michael Parsons in there when he got hurt and the game was over? It's like, oh, yeah, you're right, man. He gets all the reps, all the reps. <laughs> so, like, you know what? They, they got on us for that. So let's go ahead and take him out early. So that way, like, the game's over. We'll keep him protected and we won't have another Micah situation. And it's like, no, you got it wrong again. Like, all right, now you went too much to the, too much to the left. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, you got it somewhere in the middle, bro. Somewhere in the middle. I, it, it's strange because this coaching staff is definitely talented. You can tell that by the way our offense is running, the defense, the jump the defense has made, the adjustment they made in the second half, that they do know they're, what they're doing. But it seems like once again, they do some type of random, just mind-boggling thing to us. Like, what, what, what are you thinking? Like, even in like normal, just football procedures, you wouldn't take your best player out before the game is over, before they start pulling their starters, um, before it's like, it's not in doubt. It's like, all right, well, hey, fourth quarter, maybe like five minutes left, this game's over, start pulling everybody. But no, like you pull them right before the quarter starts. Um, again, all this time, because we've seen in football that runs happen all the time. And then lo and behold, hey, your best Defensive players not out there. What are they going to do? Start throwing the ball over the place. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> I think we also went back into like a scene. I'm sure it wasn't prevent defense, but it kind of seemed like it was because we kind of were giving them just these chunk plays. So we kind of had took our feet off their necks all the way, helped them back up, dusted them off, um, bought them some new clothes or something. Like, I'm sorry for that, <laughs> man. And they took off running on us. And it's like, oh, Lord, what happened? It's like, well, yeah, come on now. <laughs> when you do something like that, God, man, I, I don't, it, it was strange, man. Uh, I don't know. It, it, you said it, it, bought him new clothes. And everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is where this and uh, I was I was a little conflicted. Right. Because, you know, I listened back to the last episode and we definitely did go for not taking Micah Parsons out and bringing him back in after after he aired himself. Mm-hmm. But um, but this was different. It was di- tra- the trade off situation was different. He didn't yeah. take a bad hit. He didn't he didn't hurt himself. Like, he, I mean, he ripped the ball away from G.J. Moore like. Uh, maybe he tweaked something. I don't know. But like when it was the third quarter and we our offense got a field goal after that interception. So like we we don't really fully have the momentum right now. Right. And like you said, like we're in that pre prevent defense type of style. And there the reason it was like a, it was a 10 play drive. The drive you talking you mentioned earlier was a 10 play drive. But the reason why you felt like it was like a three or four play drive is because they got 10 to 15 yards every single play. And so like that's yeah. where that's where um that's how that's how it felt because it was quick, right? And that gives them right back into the game. And then like you're going against a, hard, a good offense, and you take away a great our the the best defender that we have out there, the best uh pass defender that we have, and you take them out, and it makes no sense because they're going to target that play. The they targeted Maurice Kennedy the entire time, the entire time, and like you don't. There's a way to do player management in the NFL, and it doesn't happen before the fourth quarter, and it doesn't happen within the first three to four minutes in the fourth quarter. It happens probably six, five-minute mark of the fourth quarter player management. Now, if you're blowing out a team like we're playing Madden 73 to zero in the third quarter, like you do, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but, at that play point. Magic. but this is this is not Madden. This is real life NFL. Like that's not how you do player management, man. And like there are excuses of the fact they admit it. To it. So here's one thing. Mike McCarthy didn't lie about it. He said, well, oh, he kind of did. Jerry Jones said it was Jerry Jones said player management. Mike McCarthy originally said player management. Afterwards, they both said, oh, he had back issues. So they still lie about it after telling the truth about it. And so like they like they that they went back to the old way. So like we said, we did give him kudos coming out the halftime, the player player adjustments. And then they reverted back to the old ways. <laughs> so it's like. 
It was weird because I, I, I think like, I know me watching the game, I think the Panthers, I think anybody watching the game, the announcers, nobody thought the game was over by no. when, when they took them out. Like they didn't feel like, oh yeah, the game's about over. Like no one felt that way, but I guess someone on the coaching staff did and pulled them. And I have to think like, what does that do to the psyche of your team or your defense when you pull your best player? Like even think about playing like high school ball, what it like when your best player is not no longer on the field, but they're not hurt. They're just healthy and kind of just chilling on the sidelines. Like, okay. Well, I guess this game must be over because they're pulling all the best people. Like usually the best players play all the time until like the game is like over, over. over. Yeah. So when you do something like that on the sidelines, I think people are like, okay, well, if they feel comfortable enough to pull, you know, Trayvon Diggs, then I guess this game's probably over then. So they kind of laid back and like, all right, well, I guess we got to play a few snaps and, you know, get on the bus and get up out of here. But it's like, bro, no, like everybody's still trying to play the game. Like they have all their starters in yep. and you have a full quarter to go. Like, nope. I don't think anybody, I think watching that game ever felt, the, the feeling like oh like it's about to be over but it definitely wasn't over at that point in time so it is it, strange man i think they maybe had that in their mind like you said about the michael parsons deal because they got some flack for that They're like hey you know when we can pull them out as, as soon as we can just to make sure like if you see anybody one of our stars kind of getting dinged up or anything pull them out if we have like a lead and i'll you know, just be on the safe side but yeah that's that's just not how you kind of build that mentality for your for your team especially on defense when you kind of want them to kind of be in attack mode at all time. Um, but when you start making decisions like that, then it kind of, it just, it's just human nature to kind of mentally just pull yourself back. Cause it's like, okay, well the coach is kind of revving down because mm-hmm. we're taking people out. So I'm gonna rev down too. Cause the game must be over. Yeah. And again, it's hard to kind of get that back up when it's like, Oh snap, it's, it's like a one score game or something. We need to kind of start dominate again. It's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> luckily our, our, luckily our offense is really good because they came in and kind of helped us out at the very end. But you can't like it's not really a switch you can flip like that when it comes time to kind of playing you know at a high level. You have to kind of keep it going throughout the entire game. Exactly, like the game wasn't so like imagine right the they come out fourth quarter we get they don't score a touchdown right they shut them out because you know we still have Trayvon Diggs guarding the best player who ended up scoring the touchdown and GJ Moore right so we shut that we shut that series down. Offense goes out there to score a touchdown. It's four to three to fourteen, and we're about six minutes at this point. We're probably about six to seven minutes left in the game, right? Okay, you could may or may not consider the game being over at that point because it's 41 to 14. Not many people come back from that, right? It'll be, I mean, if they do, it's kind of hard. Like, that's amazing. That's one of the best teams out there. But, like, if, if you look at, let's look at comparison to uh, last year against Atlanta Falcons. Like, we came back and we had a pretty good, decent uh, deficit to come back from. But because the game wasn't over, we came back and won the game. And, and Dan Quinn kind of, I guess this team kind of likes down and kind of see what happens. But like, like that's what the most disappointing thing about it. It's like you said, that switch, especially with the young players, if they turn it off, it's going to be kind of hard for them to turn it back on if they have more time on the clock. And so the question for the Panthers are like, oh, man, we ran out of time. We didn't Basically, lose. yeah. We ran that's, out of time. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's like, how I feel. Like, shoot, we so, had them, bro. <laughs> like, we, we had them on the ropes because they were swinging at us. And so, like, instead of us swinging, keep on swinging. So, yeah, uh, that's – that's I just – that made me uneasy, man. Like, they had such good things lead up to that point, <laughs> that one point in time. It's just and a shame, man, because, like, again, that was, like, almost like a perfect game in terms of, like, Starting off slow, having a hard like having a hard time kind of getting things going, making adjustments and kind of taking off exactly what you want for a team. Like, hey, keep fighting. We'll make adjustments and then we'll come out, you know, be even better. And that's kind of how you want to execute that. And we should have had like just a kind of a walk off win. But yeah, yep. kind of, it kind of, you know, marred kind of what we had going on there. So it's, yep. it's unfortunate. Uh, luckily, we didn't 
pay the price for that because I would have been all over, of course, you know, social media and everything uh, else. That would have blown up. And it's something that, again, that is fixable. It is fixable for the coaching staff. It's a good coaching staff, I feel like, but we have to kind of get some of the stuff shored up. So hopefully they'll, again, find that good, happy medium now between being like super cautious or super devil may care type of thing when it comes to these players. So here's hoping. We'll see, man. Yeah, and the Cowboys, they need that statement game. You know what I'm saying? Like like I said before, like with the way the outcome of the Panthers was, it was kind of like a pretender moment. And so they need that statement game to be contenders. And I, like, again, because of the record and because the division we're in, there's going to be games, our record last year, and if it does the division we're in, there's going to be games out there that we can take advantage and show ourselves as contenders. And one of those games, kind of, I say it kind of happens next week. And I'm, if you don't mind, we'll transition to our preview. It's oh, like, yeah. it's our, tr- next week against the New York Giants. Not a threat, not as good of a team. Um, a little bit better than the Eagles, probably still on the same level. Daniel Jones still hasn't really became a quarterback threat. Saquon Barkley is coming off an injury, kind of showing some flashes, but he's not the Saquon Barkley pre-injury. Um, their receiving core, Kenny, Kenny Galladay, is not really showing out as many people thought he, they were. The offensive line still has some issues. Um, there's some weaknesses on the on the back on the tail end of the of the defensive side of the on the back end of the defense. And so there's some opportunities here, and we're at home again. And so we are clearly on paper the better team, offensively and defensively. And this is the game that we can that we need to shove it down their throats and not ease up. So this should be another 41, 40 plus game, 40 point game on a special offense. And heck, if a defense can contain them to less than 20, in my opinion, again, we had to contain them less than 20. And so this needs to be a statement game for us of dominating a lesser, a less inferior or an inferior team. That's mm-hmm. that right, an inferior team. Yeah. Um, it needs to be like that. This needs to be better than the Eagles. Like we can't have any turnovers on offense. You know, we got to have the perfect game offense, almost like we did this week. And we got to be consistent on defense, force the turnovers like we constantly doing. We got to have that. We need to have that contending, shut it, shut it down type of game. And this is a perfect opportunity for it, man, in my opinion. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, this is a team that so far does not appear to be a good team, you know, whatsoever in terms of how they're playing. But um, based off of their their last win and kind of the last few games, they're trending positive. They're trending upwards in the right yep. direction. So with that, like you said, if you're going to be considered as a contender or a good football team, you have to make sure that you jump on these type of teams because, again, it is a rivalry because we're in the same division. Um, they do have some weapons, though, because Saquon is coming back. He's appearing to kind of get back in form. He had a, a pretty big game. Um, and also Daniel Jones is starting to play a little bit better, too. So even though they, uh, especially Daniel Jones, isn't what you consider like maybe like a marquee type of player, he is. St- he does still have the tools to actually hurt you in certain ways if you allow yep. him to, to stick around, especially with his legs. He, he has a pretty big arm too. So this is a game where we kind of expect that, okay, if we are who we kind of think we are, you want to jump on them, like you said, immediately from start to finish and kind of just impose your will on this type of game. Um, especially because the way that things are trending, you want to make sure that you secure the wins for all the teams that you're supposed to beat, especially these ones that are struggling starting early on. Um, because who knows, man, you don't know if the, the division may end up being kind of close going down the stretch where we kind of need to have as many wins as possible. Um, if we do have aspirations for the playoff for playoff seating, you have to make sure that you kind of get these wins as well. Uh, so you don't want to, you know, drop this type of game to where, because you're kind of, we're overlooking them. You assume like, Oh, they're a bad team. It's whatever. Um, because it could easily become to where the game is kind of neck and neck, and then it kind of can be a toss up. Uh, yeah. So for, for going to the game, like you said, 
they don't do many things that well. So we shouldn't have too much of an issue in terms, especially for our offense, either running the ball or passing it. So I, I do also expect a pretty big game on both fronts, offense, uh, I'm sorry, running and passing. And then for our defense too, we kind of want to see, like you said, that development, that growth. So we have seen that we can force the turnovers and that's great. But now can we kind of get those stops consistently? Can we kind of start looking to potentially shut down a team, even though it may not be an elite team, you still kind of want to, you know, grow from somewhere. You don't want to have it where anybody can get, get yards on this defense. You want to kind of start showing it up. People kind of get more comfortable where they're at, still flying to the ball. Uh, but you still want to see that growth to show that, okay, well, we are training in the right direction as well as a team because we kind of seem like we're, we're kind of on a roll right now. We're kind of on fire, but you want to keep that going consistently because it's the day in and day out you know, the grind or the weekly grind that is the NFL and how you show up and show out for these games that kind of show that, okay, this team is for real or it's becoming a team that is going to make a run. Um, so in the past, you know, we've seen before that the Cowboys have before gotten hot and it maybe drop a game they shouldn't have. And it's kind of been up and down. You don't want to see that. You want to say that, okay, we have confidence in ourselves, confidence in our coaching staff, and we're going to come out there and show you that it doesn't matter who we're playing. It doesn't matter if there's a really good team or bad. You know, we don't play we don't play down to our opponents. We kind of play consistent and our consistency is at a high level. Exactly. And um, this this game is it's a trap game. I would call this one a trap game, man, because it's like you said, it's a divisional game. And we are um, we're clearly on paper, like I said, on paper, we're clearly better. And we're a week away after this. We played the Patriots and they were a week away from our bye, our bye week. Yeah. And so, like, if we have an opportunity to go into our bye uh, six and one or six and one so that that's that gives you a different feeling you know coming like and that's kind of almost halfway point through the season um so that this gives you a different feeling instead of going into the uh to the bye week at um three and three and three like basically we can either be three and three right I do my math let me know if i'm doing my math wrong It'd be yeah. If we won one out, we'd be five and one in the bye week. Five and one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I knew I was off somewhere. We could be five and one or three and three, and so yeah. or and or four or and the opposite uh, other other ways. I'm struggling, but yeah, this is a big <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> four and two is the other option. I like the, the opposite. I was like, what do you mean the opposite? They gonna take what? I was like, Lord, Ed, what are you? <laughs> what's going on with this NFL? I'm struggling. I don't, I don't <laughs> like this at all. <laughs> five and one, four and two, three and three. Those are the options. So you can game be, breaker. But even then, at the same time, it's like if we go into the in the half at five and one or the bye week at five and one come out we had the good matchups against the vikings and buck and the brock and the broncos but like this game is very important to us um i think i still have it as a win for us on, on our original last thing i kind of lost my notes on my paper but um it's it's key this is very key for us like and it's very important basically because like you said shaquan barkley um, struggled because you know, early on because he come back from his injury, he kind of got back on his horse. Like not kind of, he got back on his horse last week uh, against the Saints, and they had a very hard fought win in overtime against the New Orleans Saints, who aren't too shabby of a team themselves. And so, um, it's the Giants may feel like they got some little momentum going coming into Dallas, and which so they were riding on the right train to come back to come to Dallas and try to sneak a win. But if we, we got to do what we do what we have done these past four weeks, and I'm including the Buccaneers game. That's ground and pound, take advantage of what they're going to show us. So mm-hmm. if they show us, they're going to show they're going to try to stop the run. Hey, we still got to run the ball, but we're going to pass right over your heads. They show they're going to that two deep safety set. All right, cool. What is, hey, <laughs> Zeke and Tony is going to eat all over you. And so, because we, we trust our O-line. And defense, 
we got to get after the quarterback. Like we, we got to continue to get after the quarterback. So that's flashy. Um, Mike, Michael Parsons on the outside, Randy Gregory going, going off again, Osa and Chauncey still holding strong and putting pressure in the middle. And so what, um, what helps that, what helps our pass rush. One thing about the pass rush overall is like when you get a outside rush, it's good to have good outside rushes, right? You need to have those edge rushes out there, but you also need to have those middle, those middle tackles who can still put pressure on the center of the field so that other quarterback, so the quarterback doesn't have to step up into the pocket. So that's what's necessary. And we still got to continue to do that, man. It's like, if we let anything slack, I feel like the Giants is that good of a team to kind of take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Um, They do have our old head coach and Jason Garrett on the offensive side. Granted, we're in a whole new defense now. Well, not a whole new defense, but I mean, it's the same scheme, same four, three scheme, but um Jason Garrett's not he's not that shabby of a coach of a of an offensive coordinator. He's mm-hmm. I don't think he's that good of a head coach, but he's not that shabby <laughs> of an offensive coordinator. But like so I'm saying, like they still got uh they got some good they got some good talent on the Giants, and, and that's why I consider this being a trap game for us. Because if we slack at any if we get if we get cocky, start trying to do player management and get complacent, hey, it's gonna be we're gonna be in for it, and so like those divisional games are always always revved up for some reason because it's a divisional game, and so this game's already gonna be revved up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens overall with it, man. So I'm 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 confident, but again, there's always that that that's that telling of is like, hey, if we do mess up though, I feel like we could let this game slip between our fingers. Yeah, I actually had this. I think it's gonna be. I see it as a pretty big game for our defense. And this is why I say why. We actually have a few people that should be coming back, ideally getting Keanu Neal and Carlos Watkins, I think, coming off the COVID list. Um, so yeah. it'd be good to have them back, see how they were kind of working to the defense. Uh, but also, and we're going to talk about this in a second here, we actually had a pretty big change on the defensive front. Um, it may not be talent-wise, but leadership-wise, and you kind of want to see how the defense reacts to that type of change. Um, do you come out flat? You know, is it still, you know, Status quo, same old, same old. That would be great. That's kind of what you want to see. Um, but again, this is something that we haven't seen yet for this team. Uh, any type of, I guess, this sort of adversity when it comes to the defense. And it definitely is adversity. Say what you want um, about what happened. But I would say it is adversity just because of the, the length of time, the experience and such, and w- what this person actually means. Uh, so that's why I say, I see, I think this is an important game for our defense in particular. The offense, I think they're going to do what they're going to do. But we kind of see want to see what the makeup of our team is on defensive side. Who are going to be the leaders on the team? Do we have the leaders out there, even with, you know, having DeMarcus Lawrence hurt? Um, will people grow into their role? And will we still come out there and have that same mindset of, you know, we have to take care of business? Um, so, yeah, I want, I, I'm going to be interested to kind of see how we play on this one. And I'm hoping that we kind of come out there and jump on them and kind of show that type of effort, same love ever we've been having, and kind of day in and day, uh, game in and game out. Uh, but it's interesting, man, uh, because, again, this – this type of change, I think people might maybe downplay it because they kind of treat it like it is, you know, playing like a video game, or whatever, kind of take peace out and good to go or something. But yeah. it's also about relationships, especially in the locker room as well. So you're going to kind of see how that affects them. And if we can still be professionals and kind of people, a team looking kind of for the long-term view, looking towards the playoff, looking for a potential run out of Super Bowl or something. And if that's the case, no matter what happens between to the person next to you, you have to come in and still do your job and do it to the best of your ability. Yeah, and um, the, the situation that uh, Daniel alluded to is the fact that Jalen Smith uh, was released uh, this week by the Dallas Cowboys. 
Um, and he's currently finalizing a deal with the Green Bay Packers. But uh, Jalen Smith is no more. Um, came in about midweek um, and shocked shocked a lot of people. Shocked myself. Shocked a lot of people in the organization. Um, a couple of quotes from the interviews. Uh, one thing Jalen Smith. Uh, I'm sorry, Michael Parsons said he was out. Uh, people have been asking him what was his uh, welcome to the NFL moment. And I'm paraphrasing this here. He said this was his welcome to the NFL moment. Is that at any moment um, you could be unemployed um or you could be injured you could be unemployed or you just not be longer with the team um a lot of the players were complimentary of it uh lve said hey man not many people can do what Jalen smith did and coming back from that detrimental injury and uh playing uh, his second year was his so far his best year in the nfl with us and so he made a pro bowl that year and so uh he lve said not many people can do that and so you gotta give him credit for that um uh zeke Paraphrase again. He said that uh, put it up. Uh, he said, "Hey, this is the business um, shocked us, but it's the business of the NFL." And so, and this is the business. It's a hard, just a harsh business. And so, um, the Cowboys are still on the on the check on the signing, or Jerry Jones still has to sign the check for uh, I think it was seven point five mil uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. But um, how how did the release of Jada Smith when you saw the post? How did re- how did you react to it? What was your initial reactions to it? Um, and what do you think is a long or what's your initial reaction to it? I have a long, I have a second question, but what's your initial reaction to it? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was definitely a surprise, a big surprise for me. Um, but the reason why I say that is because of the timing of the release. Mm. Uh, if you've probably been a Cowboys fan or kind of following what's going on since the offseason, we kind of all assumed that this probably was going to be the final season. Dylan Smith was going to be on the roster. Um, a lot of fans, I think, fall on the team, you know, I don't think would feel too sad about him leaving the roster because, like, the time has come comparing his play to kind of his pay, it had been on a downward trend. So in that sense, like, okay, maybe time to move on. We drafted all these linebackers, so the writing was on the wall about what was going to happen. But I thought, you know, especially with the way they had been employing, uh, deploying the, the linebackers with using, you know, Michael Parsons with, Jalen Smith with, Leighton Vander Edge, that they had them kind of in at least the plans for this season. Um, the fact that we've been dealing with a lot of injuries on the roster and so a lot of people to come back, that also kind of surprised me as well because – Again, even though he, he's not the star that he was once before um, or that we kind of thought he was supposed to be long term, he still is a pretty serviceable linebacker. He still was out there making plays. I think he graded out pretty favorably for the past few games in terms of pro football, pro football focus and his pass coverage. You know, we actually yeah. get on for pass coverage and also what he was doing against, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts as well, kind of running him down. He still had that speed out there. Um, so for me, I, I kind of thought that he would eventually would start taking a back seat. Of course, to Michael Parsons, Keanu Neal, as we kind of got going on in the season. And he would still be on the roster, though. And yeah. it's kind of, again, to what I alluded to when we were talking about the, the Giants game coming up. Um, even though he maybe not had the most ability, he definitely is a leader in that locker room. He's well-respected. I think he was actually was the captain named the captain. Um, he's been with the team for so long. I don't think he actually had even missed a game two injury uh, as he came back from, of course, his, his initial injury, too. So he's been in there day in and day out through thick and thin. Um, so I would thought that maybe at least just for this season or even just to mentor the younger guys, they would have him around. Uh, but like you said, it, it kind of came down to kind of came down to numbers, came down to a money talks and the Cowboys were, you know, a bit afraid that because he currently his contract for next year would be guaranteed if he would got hurt either yeah. this year or an offseason something like that too. And that would have been for about 9 million that they would have been on the books for. So of course they were looking to either move them or walk away from them. So they couldn't, I guess they want to risk that happening. I guess they had seen enough from the defense to say that, okay, well, our young guys are good enough to leave them in there and kind of move on from them. 
uh, I, I probably would have maybe just shut him down and not played him. So that way, you know, he won't get hurt, but he's still on the, on the roster if you need him because you may need him for the season. And if you need him, I'm sure you want to, you, you had no problem paying him if you need him for the season too. But yeah. yeah, man, again, the timing was strange, but Hey, we saw other people getting released too. So I guess it's just kind of thing going around the NFL where people were like, you know, Hey, we don't want to pay these people or be on the hook for anything like that. Yeah. Um, also was surprised that they couldn't find a trade for this, but maybe other people were also concerned about that, you know, injury guarantee they has on his contract for next year too. Um, it's a shame. I really thought we might be able to get something for him. I think we said actually in our initial uh, episode for the season that we kind of were looking for that they were going to play for a bit to kind of show that, Hey, they're still at a pretty decent level and then get something for him. Maybe turn for another player or something, maybe some help on the D line or in the secondary or something for the team on the O line. Um, but unfortunately it ended up with, we kind of got a big fat, nothing. And again, that kind of feels like, ah, you feel like you could get something for him or you at least would have held on to him just for the seams. But Hey man, again, sometimes it's, it's bigger than just the play on the field. And this one was more of a high level decision because of the cap. Yeah. And, um, I, I agree with you on the timing. Cause oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe after I explain it, I'd be able to tell where I'm at on the timing aspect uh, of it. And so the reason why you don't release them preseason is because you you still don't know you didn't know what you had with Cam and Neil and Michael Parsons mm-hmm. right so that's the reason why you don't release them preseason um uh you keep them for a while now you know what you have in Michael Parsons you know what you have in Keanu Neal you got a little bit more four weeks to see Jabril Cox practice because uh like now Jabril Cox and Luke Gifford they will have to may may or not may or not may or may not have to get more time on the, on the field outside of special teams right and so you know what you have there but um and then, like, one reason why you don't hold on to him until the end of the year is because then his next year's contract becomes guaranteed. Then you definitely need to find a trade partner to try to, some, try to take some of that funds out of you, which at that point, like, it will be hard. And so um, one reason why I don't believe he was traded, because I think, you know, teams listen. They know. They have scouts. and They know what's going on within different organizations. They know, hey, y'all don't want him next season, so I'm not going to give you nothing that you're not going to that you're not going to have next season. Like I'm, and I don't want to, like you said, that guaranteed injury thing, that was kind of, that's an iffy thing. That's something that Jerry Jones gave him because he loves the guy. He likes mm-hmm. the guy. And so that Jerry Jones gave him that. But um, like most teams are like, yeah, no, I don't really like that thing about it. So I'm just waiting for y'all to get tired about, tired out with them. They now pick him up after y'all release him or whatever. And so that's, that's where like the timing of it, I'm somewhat okay with it and I get it. But um. Like, that's where, like, I'm kind of divided. Like, I don't really like it, but I understand why they released them at this time. Like, we know what we have. We know we're going to a linebacking group. Um, this does open the door for LVE for another second contract. But this but this all stems to, like I said, I said Jerry Jones gave him a contract too early. Wait, and we talked about it last season. Mm-hmm. He gave him a contract way too early. In my opinion, he, like, uh, he really didn't like he had a one great year and that's great. You had one great year. And I think Julian alluded to it last year that he got tired of having these defensive studs have one good year and then die off in the yeah. third and fourth year. I think he said it last week. And that's what happened with Jalen. Like he died off. And so um, but we did not have to give him a fifty four million dollar contract at that time frame. We could have held out for we should have held out, obviously, now because he's not on the team, but we should have held out until the end of the season and paid and figured out what we're going to do. Because even now, say, hey, like we have Michael Parsons, we have uh, Jabril Cox, we got Keanu Neal. And so, okay, cool. Let's re sign Keanu Neal if he's going to end up being that player for us. And hey, we still got money to throw at 
uh, I.e. I. Michael Gallup, who we don't have yet. So now, like, now we don't have like we lost we lost a little bit of cap. We gained some. We gained cap back, but we have dead money on our on our te- checks right now in our checkbooks. And so, but yeah, just, I'm glad you made that comment about Jerry Jones too, because man, you can de- definitely tell that Jerry Jones loved this guy, right? He loves the story. He loves kind of Jalen as a person, because what team would give someone coming off of like a devastating knee injury? this monster deal with all these guarantees for injury that doesn't make any sense does it like you assume that okay well he had this major surgery that he probably shouldn't have even been playing football again but he you know beat the odds and came back but you would always have that i would think in the back of your mind that what if it pops up again what if it happens what if it deteriorates something over time but no they actually gave him into the 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 end of his contract he had guarantees for the injury on there and that's kind of wild but that goes to show you though how much this team really loved Jalen because you know he never gave up and it again it is one of the almost one of the great stories in terms of football in terms of a comeback story for yeah. kind of what happened to, you know, to where he is now. Um, but it was to the ultimate, to the detriment of the team, because like you said, they kind of paid him too early. Um, they paid him before paying Dak man, which is kind of was a big thing going on for a while too. It was like, bro, you paid the linebacker, you paid the receiver, you paid the running back all before you paid your quarterback. Yeah. And that was kind of wild too. So in that sense, it was bad cap management, especially in terms of, you know, who's priority for your cap space. And then also the way that the country was set up. And then unfortunately, I mean, if he would have played the same play at the same level, then we would be having this conversation at all. I'm like, Hey man, it probably was a bad decision to pay him that early, but he but. lived up to it. So it is what it is. You know, we're glad, glad to have him on the team, but you know, it, it just didn't work out that way. The writing was on the wall that he was on his way out. I just think that it might've been too early for this type of move just because, Again, it's actually it's a longer season than we've ever had before. Very true. Um, we've already had a season before where we had a ton of injuries. We have a lot of injuries right now that people are sort of trying to come back from. So I just thought I'd be cautious in terms of, hey, I'm planning for, you know, making this run this season because it seems like we actually have a pretty good chance to make a run. But, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, have that play that, that long game and kind of look further down because, like you said, even if we have a really good season this year or if we don't make it or if we win the whole thing, Next year, we still got to pay some people. <laughs> we got to pay the Michael Gallus of the world. We still got to pay potentially your boy, Connor Williams. You don't know. Yeah. Um, we still have to go out there and for agency be play, and players in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, it, it was a weird situation. But, again, love Jalen Smith, though, as, as a person. Even as a player, too, it just yeah. it was his time to go. I didn't think it'd be this early. Um, but, hey, man, all, all, all the best wishes to him. You know, all love in the world, too, man, and hope he does good at Green Bay as well. Yeah, but, like you said – like you said, man, like I love he's a great from from what we see, he's a great yeah. guy. And yeah. so you and you uh, one, I was one that loves his story too. And I was the one that said they drafted him too early, in my opinion, too. Um, I said that because he was coming off an injury, he probably would have dropped another two rounds. But that's again, that's me in my in my mindset. But like I just there were some the tendencies that we saw this season and last season where like I think that's he he needs to slow down his game. In his head, yeah, I feel like he runs himself out of the holes way too many times, and he doesn't—he doesn't fill the holes correctly. Um, but like, I wished him all the best. Like you, uh, hopefully, he balls out with Green Bay. Uh, well, not too much, but you know, I hope he does well with Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? within, within reason. <laughs> within you <know>? reason, you <laughs> know. Like, and it would be—you know what? Like you said, to, if we do go on that big run, that deep run. It would have been fun to have him along for the ride. You know what I mean? And so, like you said, he, yeah. was, he was a leader in the locker room, or he was a leader in the locker room. He had a great second year with us, you know, like, and we love the guy. It would have been fun to have him along for the ride. Uh, just, I mean, because we already ate the contract for this season. And so I hope he didn't get hurt. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, 
I be, I'm still iffy. Maybe I'll probably along your side. It was not not probably. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. It was definitely bad timing. Like I talked myself into it and listened to you <laughs> talk myself into it, um, into it being bad timing. But it was a. Uh, it's just it's hard, you know. But this it's a business, you know. It's, and the Cowboys about a winning business it seems. And I think most people are saying that this is what Dan Quinn brings to, brought to the culture. And so um, this is a Dan Quinn move. And so I was like, okay, I can see that, but. We'll see, we'll see what happens with this linebacker court next week, uh, especially with um, counting those coming back. You know, like you said, Carlos Watkins coming back. We definitely see how that DT uh, rotation is with Carlos Watkins coming, Watkins coming back. Hopefully, Neville Gilmore is about three to four weeks out. The same thing with uh, uh, well, I'm calling Dexter Lawrence. Oh, but that's the same thing. Demarcus Lawrence, man. <laughs> <laughs> I almost did it again, but Demarcus Lawrence will definitely see what he does when he comes back. And so uh, it's we have a lot of stuff. Like I said earlier, we have a lot of stuff to look forward to with this team. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, we missing out. Like there was another release in Stefan Gilmore. Uh, got <laughs> yeah. released from the, got, originally got released for the uh, New England Patriots, but it ended up being the fact that they traded him to the Pan- uh, Carolina Panthers for a six rounder. And so that's twice the Carolina Panthers have stolen a DB. <laughs> stolen. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's three times that the Carolina, stolen. Panthers, Carolina Panthers have stolen a DB. They stole JC. Oh, Horn. that's true in the draft. That's true. <laughs> they stole that's true. JC Horn. They stole CJ Henderson, which we have two tight ends we could give to the Carolina Panthers if they really wanted one. I would have given them Blake Jarn and Anthony Brown and a pick. Like, take them. <laughs> take them all. <laughs> and then they went out there and traded uh, Stephanie on Gilmore for a six-rounder. So, like, are the Cowboys – so here's a question. Uh, I finally figured out my last question. Are the Cowboys waiting to see what they have in Kel- Kelvin Joseph before they make before they make a move at cornerback? Or they just don't want to make a move at quarterback? Cornerback. I actually think it's, it's neither on that one. So I think that they're kind of uh, in the mindset of, again, the long-term for how this cap's going to work out with signing, trying to resign some of these people. Because, um, because again, the way it's set up, you know, if we would have traded for him, we, I think we would have had to cut either a few people or restructure quite a few deals to make it work. We had to restructure anyway, even if he was a free agent, we were signing him at free agent as well. Um, so I think with that in mind, they're kind of being cautious about going out there and kind of getting all a lot of the big name people because they have these things in their contract, either because you know it's a big deal for right now or. And Gil- in Gilmore's situation, he's in the final year of his deal. So, like, are we going to give up any type of draft capital to outbid the Panthers and potentially have to then go turn around and pay him like a big time deal for a? I mean, he's a premier cornerback, uh, but he is, you know, I think 30, 31 years old. So, there's that concern. Um, do you want to invest that that much into a player that that that's that old that you haven't really been developing yourself, been grooming on your own? Um, I think he's coming off the pup list, so it's like. Is he still good to go? Is there maybe like an injury concerns now? A lot of question marks. So I think they wanted to maybe see him get into free agency, kind of maybe test the waters there, kind of fill it out. And then I think they definitely would have tried to sign him, uh, but I think they wanted more time to do their due diligence, which is kind of which is which is fine. But it kind of sucks though because I think we all kind of had this dream in our mind, these stars in our eyes about bro. Trayvon Diggs and Gilmore, boy, on both sides. Like, oh, come on now, come no on, now. fly zone, man. Come on now, come no, on now. Hey, I ain't gonna lie, man. I was having, I was having sweet dreams of seeing Trayvon and uh, Stefan out there. I was like, oh man, that's that's just nice. Yeah, just so nice, so so nice. But because uh, yeah. honestly, it, it seems like every game that Anthony Brown, your boy, does just something, just just like, bro, <laughs> we need somebody. <laughs> somebody else needs to be out there. He has some good plays here or there, but it's not where it's like consistent throughout the entire game. 
is like either like a you know a missed tackle or blown coverage or whatever. And it's yeah. like Anthony, what why so, why? And 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 we'll we'll talk a little bit longer on this and um this I think we're good on time. Uh yeah, we'll be good fine on time. And um it sucks that Julian is not on this one because I wouldn't get his opinion on it too, but maybe I'll ask it again next week. It's like Kevin Joseph is on the IR right now. And so is Anthony Brown playing time due to the fact that we don't have if so if Kevin Joseph was healthy, would he be taking snaps away from Anthony Brown? Is the main question, do you think? Yeah, I think they definitely would have rotated him to kind of see what they have with him. Mm-hmm. Um, because Anthony Brown, again, even though he does make quite a few mistakes, he does make some pretty big impact plays here or there as well. Um, his speed, of course, is an asset when it comes to having a matchup because he's probably going to get the, the, the faster receiver on there um, since Trayvon is falling around, whoever the better receiver is too. So yeah. in that sense, um, I think they think he is solid, quote-unquote, in terms of being out there. But it, it definitely would have worked in, um, you know, our younger players in there, too, to kind of see if they could ideally take over for being started. That's kind of what they want in the long term. So they yeah. definitely, I think, would give them all the, all the chances in the world, which is kind of what you're seeing with the whole Jalen Smith thing. The kind of, you know, pushing them out so they can let the young guys get even more reps and more time. Like you said, Darrell Cox may not actually get some more actual meaningful playing time in a game, potentially more than just yeah. special teams, because there's one less person in the locker room ahead of them. So I can, I can definitely see for this coaching staff, especially for Dan Quinn, that he is pushing towards, you know, these are my guys that I picked for the system. They kind of fit the physical mold that I'm looking for in their play style. So I want to get them as many reps as possible if the people in front of them aren't doing that well. Let's see what they have. And, and if they are, you know, even equal to kind of what the current starter is giving us, then, yeah, go with the young guy then at that point in time, not really losing too much. So I de- think definitely we would have got him out there. We still might, even when he comes back, I think they definitely want to kind of throw him out there and yeah. kind of see what we have. Um, because I'm I'm sure if we can see, I'm sure they can see it in terms of how Anthony, Anthony Brown is playing. And it's like, yeah, it's okay. But, you know, it kind of does a disservice to Trayvon by having someone that, you know, you, you kind of want to match him up with that one-two punch, right? Yeah. At that point, it's like, okay, well, now he's kind of, that's not really worry about too much because it's like, yeah, y'all both can kind of go out there and get it. The pass rush is picking up too. The pass rush is doing very well. So you kind of want to capitalize on that. Um, so, yeah, man, I think it's, it's a long-term play, but definitely once they get back, I think you're going to see them working more and more of the younger guys in there just to kind of see if they can stick and, and then hopefully stay around longer or hopefully, I'm sorry, develop and kind of take that next, that next step. Yeah, and I was thinking the reason I asked, I was thinking about that again last night when uh, <laughs> I was like, huh, is like I don't I think Kelvin Joseph's probably about another three or four weeks away from coming back off the off the IR. But ah man, Anthony Brown's hurting me, dog, on the hardcore. <laughs> he just he just hurts watching him sometimes. <laughs> like I said, he has some he has some good highlights, but but for your best up still kind of kind of are heavy. On my, on my eyes. <laughs> so yeah, but go. but with that being said, I mean, we saw what happened when Trayvon sat down, man. It's like the other guys didn't do too much better than, than yeah. Anthony Brown. Um, yeah. Like, it's Marge Kennedy kind of got picked on. Uh, Nation, of course, he's still, of course, a rookie, but he, he didn't, you know, he, he kind of struggling a little bit being out there, too. So it's like he may kind of be the best of the rest as of right now. So you kind of have be. to, you know, take it, which is kind of why we wanted Stefan Gilmore because <laughs> at that point, you know, it's like, yeah. all right, that's, that's kind of like pushing the easy buttons. Like, hey, all right. <laughs> yeah, instant, instant starter, instant star, good to go. But sometimes it can't be that simple. Eh? It can't be that easy. You got to, you yeah. know, yeah, it is what it. it is. One more thing on Trayvon Dix. Uh, Madden had him as the best rating, as the best, uh, third best cornerback on the Dallas Cowboys originally, man. At an <laughs> overall rating of 72. Um, <laughs> who's, a, who's ahead of him? Uh, Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown. What? Each have a rating of a 75 <laughs> overall. And that's coming Dude. into this year? 
The original, yeah, the original rosters, the original out uh, release of the rosters had Mad, Trayvon Diggs and seventy two. Mad smoking crack, bro. I so um, I think on. I haven't seen the updated the updated uh, rosters uh, yet, but I'm I'm hoping they they need to upgrade they need to upgrade that boy. <laughs> so, madness. <laughs> some Madden madness, man, is going on right there. Um, so that's that's the last thing I had, man. Uh good show, D. It's always man. We are we are on a stride as well, man. On, some good shows. Hey, man, we feed off the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? They do well. We do well. Hey, even they, last they, season, they, they, last season, we had some good shows, too. Them rough shows, but there were some good shows. Yeah, <laughs> but at that point, it's like, man, we're waiting for the season to be over. <laughs> you know, we're like, hey, man, let's talk about right. this draft. Cancel the pot. How many times during the regular season did we talk about uh, Panace Well, bro? <laughs> like, at least, times. yeah, at least like 10 times, I think. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, times. man. But if we uh, get this draft, though, they get the O-line fixed. <laughs> We're See, this whole to... time, we haven't even talked about the draft just yet, man. You know we what I'm saying? I know, it's, I know it's early, but I think pretty early I, once, yeah, once Dak we went ta- out. As yeah, soon as Dak went out, I think, I think we're like, yeah, it's about that time. Man. You know yeah, man. Scouting. Yeah, no, you know what? I haven't really scouted either, man. But uh, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. also interested to see because, um, again, with the cut to Jalen Smith happening, Stephon Gilmore, I think um, Anthony Miller, I think for the Bears as well, oh, he, got cut too. Yeah, so it, cut. it seems to be going on where a lot of teams are starting to cut these guys a little bit early. So maybe there might be more help on the way, potentially, or more options out there, depending on how these, how these teams want to operate with these players, you know, because of they feel that there's someone younger behind them. They feel yeah. that, again, with the injury guarantee that they're ready to move on. Um, stuff like that, you know, as teams kind of can see that, okay, we're going to either be a good team or, hey, we're a lot worse than what we thought. You can kind of get see, I think, more movement going on within the NFL. So some of the kind of keep, I guess, our eye on because there may be another option out there. Will it be as good as Stephon Gilmore? Most likely not, but <laughs> you never know. So again, we still need help in other places, even though we have people coming back. Yeah. I still would like to get some more help if we can in the secondary, on maybe as a tackle or backup O line as well. So yeah, yeah, our roster is definitely not done, and so I feel yeah, like no, we definitely still have- not. Yeah, I think we probably have at least one or at least, definitely one more move, probably about at most three more moves to do um, that the Cowboys will do before the end of the season, man. But all right, Daniel, say goodbye to the people. Hey, man, you know, it is another great episode, another great week of Cowboys football. You know what I'm saying? Love y'all, man. You know, of course, you can catch me and my boy D.R. Lewis, not the third on Speaking for Sport. Uh, coming back to you, you know, breaking it down one topic at a time, man. So thank you for the support. Come on, keep on listening. And till next time, man. Loving it. Yeah, man. Y'all got some hot. Y'all got some hot topics coming up, man. Oh yeah, it's, it's a lot of a lot of buffoonery going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a, a, lot. Lot, a lot of a lot of a lot of craziness going on in the world yeah. of sports, which is great for us. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, crazy <laughs> for the world of sports, man. I'm here. I'll be here for it. To, my ears will be here too for it. Uh, Julian King Julian's podcast is back up. Uh, he had a great uh, Spider-Man episode. Spider-Man, the original uh, 2002 Spider-Man. I listened to that earlier today. Very good episode. Catching him uh, on it on King Julian Podcast. I said that right, King Julian Podcast. Um, also, like Daniel said, with the Speaking for Sport Network, we have EZ Clap. Uh, we have Aces for Hell with Corey Zip. Um, midweek take still. Yep, yeah. And then, of course, Speaking for Sport, where you hear Daniel Terrell and uh, Dr. Lewis and Austin on that show as well, but here I am Trey Blanco's podcast and real again. Thanks for listening to us. Be blessed, be peace, be love. We out. Peace. <laughs>